Well, thank you so much. I appreciate our praise team, our choir, and all of you taking part in worship. And if you brought your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I may be running a little behind. Joel Bradley spoke at our brotherhood breakfast, and he ran over a little. And since then, I've been behind ever since he got finished. And so if I'm a little behind, talk to Joel after church. Speak to him. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 and following. I want to share with you a sermon entitled, Real Faith. Real Faith. Romans chapter 4, we'll be reading out of the New King James. Real faith. Therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are the law, but also those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. How can Abraham be the father of everyone? I think his faith had something to do with it. Look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, uh, did he not consider his own body dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being full, fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, if shall be, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, some of you, most of you perhaps, have heard me say from time to time that I believe there's two kinds of faith. There's a say-so faith. If I ask all of you how many of you have faith, I'm, I'm sure perhaps every person in here would raise their hand. Hey, I have faith. I have faith. So there's a say-so faith. But then there's a real believing in God faith, a real salvation faith, a real Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, faith. So there is a say-so faith, and then there is a real faith. And from time to time, as individuals, as churches, as God's people, from time to time, nations, will, their faith will be called on. My faith is called on from time to time. Your faith is called on from time to time. The church's faith was called on in, uh, from time to time, but primarily we look back to, to the tornado. Our nation's faith is called on. It's being called on right now. And so there is a say-so faith, but then there's this real faith. Hard times are going to come. Maybe the loss of a job, the loss of personal property. Maybe you get a bad report from 
a, a test at the doctor's office. Maybe there's been a death of a spouse or a child or a parent or a friend. The natural disasters I've mentioned. Even a global pandemic like, like it's unheard, this unheard of virus, COVID-19, swine flu, polio, and all these others. We've experienced, gone through them. And so when your faith is tested, you will know exactly what kind of faith you have. You'll either have a say-so faith, or you'll have a sound, biblical, trusting in God, trust, I trusted Jesus type faith. Now, you'll have that biblical faith mentioned in Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 40. Read that chapter of the heroes of faith when you have an opportunity. But the faith that's inside you, whether it's say-so or whether it's the real. It's kind of like water in a bucket. You're, look at your faith as water in a bucket. You find out how much is inside a person or a church when all of a sudden they're bumped. And you always spill what you're full of. And if you're filled with Hebrews 11, one true faith comes out. And if you're filled with doubt and fear, that will come out. So when trials come, doubt and fear and panic will come out if you just have a say-so faith. But mark it down, please remember this, very important, that you and I, our faith will be tested. It'll be tested. And this morning God has a message for, for us about real faith, about salvation faith. Now, when we speak of faith, we're speaking about the faith that saves. We're speaking about the believing in God, believing in Jesus type faith. Jesus said, you believe in God. He said, believe also in me. So salvation comes to a person when they believe, when they trust, when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. You remember John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at John chapter 3, verse 18, as we continue. Verse 16, I quoted, verse 18 says, He who believes in Him is not condemned. You get that? He who believes in him, who has faith in him, him being Jesus, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Skip down to verse 36, John 3. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so we're talking about that believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I believe God, that type of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 faith. Now I believe that the devil discourages a person not to believe. Now I've talked to people and they'll say, Brother Sammy, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe the devil discourages people not to believe. I believe the devil wants you to remain negative in your attitude toward God, in your attitude toward hell, negative in your attitude toward heaven, negative in your attitude toward forgiveness, and negative toward the attitude toward his church. Now, if you have those attitudes, those are not from God, those are from the devil. I believe that's his desire, to plant those attitudes in your heart. 
But you have the ability to believe what you want to believe and to disbelieve what you don't want to believe. You have that choice. You have that ability. If you want to believe God's Word, His infallible, inerrant, word, His Word, you have a choice to believe. You could believe, or you can reject that. Listen, faith, believing in God, believing in Jesus, is the key to everything. Trust in God, trust in Jesus, having faith in God, having faith in Jesus is the key that unlocks the door to everything. It's the key that unlocks the door to forgiveness. It's the key that unlocks the door to heaven. It's the key that unlocks the door to righteousness. It's the key that unlocks the door to mercy. It's the key that unlocks the door to inner peace. Believing in God, believing in Jesus. You have a choice. You can accept it, you can reject it. And the devil would have you to reject it. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. If you'll look back at that just for a moment. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of a, a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are the law, but also to those who are the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Here's the point. It's grace... That's linked with faith. It's the love of God that is linked with faith. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. God reaches, you might say, see it like this, God reaches His unseen hand down. That's grace. The sinner reaches his hand up to the unseen hand of God to take his hand. That's faith. God reaches down out of grace. Man reaches up out of faith. Taking God's hand. One that really wants to be saved. Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the world says this. The world says seeing is believing, but the Word of God says believing is seeing. The world said seeing is believing, the world, the world said seeing is believing. The Word of God says believing is seeing. And as you study the Bible, you'll find that Abraham is one of the greatest characters in the Bible. He surpasses Moses in the Old Testament. He surpasses Paul in the New Testament. And Moses and Paul called Abraham their spiritual father. Romans 4 verse 16. And so the point is, Abraham is the first great man of faith. He's the father of faith, if you would. Now, if you're taking notes on your outline, let me mention point number one. You have the basis of real faith, verses 16 and 17. I won't read that again, but when you study about faith, you conclude that faith must have a solid foundation. Let's talk about that. I'm not talking about hope, but I'm talking about faith. If you have faith, hope and faith are related, but they're not the same. Hope is the desire for something that might be true, might not be true. Faith is the confidence that it's true, and it's going to happen. Abraham had hope from a human standpoint, but at the same time, he believed God. That's faith. He was confident that it was true and it would come about. 
So the question is, what's the basis of faith? Faith has a basis. What's the foundation? What's the basis of faith? Faith is not trying to convince ourselves that it's true. That's not faith. Faith is believing that something is true based on the foundation. Faith has a foundation. Faith is believing that something is true. Faith is not faith in faith, but faith is trust. Faith is faith in God. That's what faith is. You see, the point is the only foundation of our faith is God. You, you open the Bible to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Or John 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. you got to have faith to believe that. Now, why do I believe that? Because it has a foundation. What's the foundation? God said it. That's my foundation. I've heard people say, well, God said it, and I believe it. That finishes it. That's not right. God said it. Whether I believe it or not, that finishes it. See, that's the foundation of faith. Regardless where I believe it or not. If God said it, that's the foundation of faith. And it's going to come about. So faith is faith in God. The point is the only foundation of our faith is God. I don't like to fly. I have flown several times. And when I get on board, I'm, I'm flying with more fear than I am faith. That's just me. Uh, I'm flying in more fear than faith in the reliability of the plane. Let me put it that way. It's not what I feel or fear that determines if uh, I crash. In other words, I could feel good about the flight <laughs> and, and crash. Or I could feel bad about the flight and I could arrive safe and sound. The point is whether the plane is reliable or not, and that does not depend on my faith, it depends on what? The plane. It's what I have my faith in. The foundation of my faith. And faith must have a solid foundation. And when Abraham believed, he didn't believe in the promise that God had given him, the basis of his faith was God in whom he had believed. He didn't believe in the promise, he just believed God. The point is, God must be the object of our faith. My faith rests on the reliability of God and not my feelings. The old song we used to sing, I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart nor how believing in my mind brought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. My faith, my foundation is in God. So true faith must have a solid foundation. Secondly, there's barriers to faith, verses 18 through 20. Although we have this sure foundation, there's going to be barriers to faith. One barrier is our circumstances. We look at our lives and we say, well, I don't know about this. I really don't know about this. That's what Abraham did. God made a promise. Abraham, you're going to be a father to many nations. Well, I'm 100 years old. 
My wife is, she's 90 years old. I don't know about this. God, listen, I know you said I'm going to be a father to many nations, but we've got this circumstance. Um, uh, how in the world am I going to be a father to many nations? How, how in the world can we have a child? Can you imagine how Abraham told Sarah about the, search of the circumstance? Maybe he was having his quiet time or something like that, and he says, well, I've got to tell her, and so he comes out and he says, uh, <clears throat> Sarah, he says, uh, God's told me something and I need to tell you. And she said, what's that? And he said, well, you, you need to sit down. And, and so she said, well, tell me. No, go ahead, really. You need, you need to sit down. And she said, well, what is it? He said, well, God told me that, um, well, you're going to have a baby. And she laughed. Genesis chapter 18, verse 12. She laughed at him. And Abraham, he didn't deny his circumstances. He felt like, you know, he, he says, let's face the fact. If you remember, he says, you know, his body was dead as far as father and a child. Her womb was dead as far as, as parenting a baby, having a baby. The point is, he decided to believe God anyway. So there are circumstances at times, that tests our faith, but believe God anyway. Then, second barrier, not only circumstances, but possibilities. When our circumstances look bad, it's hard to believe that possibilities can happen anyway. Verse 20, verse 20 says that he never wavered in his unbelief. He believed God anyway. He knew God could do what he promised. Let me ask you this. Do you think God's big or do you think God's small? How big do you think God is? Could God pull off what he told Abraham he was going to do? How big is God? Do you think God's big enough to do that? Do you think he's too small to do that? Do you think God can do what he says he'll do? Do you think he, you say, well, sure he can. Do you think he can forgive you? Do you think he can save you? Do you think he can give you his righteousness do you think that he can that he can prepare a place for you in heaven do you think he can give you eternal life the question is not how big is your faith but how big is your god you think god can save you are you willing to trust god to save you so how big is your god god said if you had faith as as small as a grain of mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, be removed, and it'd be removed. It's not the size of the faith, it's the size of your God. Just a little faith. But you have a big God. That's the foundation of our faith. So you got the basis of faith and the bearers of faith, and what's the benefit real quick? The benefit. What's the benefit? First of all, faith edifies us. We grow spiritually. When we exercise our faith, we grow. Uh, our faith grows by exercising the faith. Our faith grows primarily by reading His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Our faith grows by trusting God in little things. When you trust God in little things, pray about everything, and find yourself trusting Him in the little things, and then when the big things come, you'll find it easy to trust Him in the big things because He's proven Himself in the little things. 
So trust God. That edifies us. Our faith grows by trusting in those li- God in those little things. And then our faith exalts God. Our benefit is it edifies us. The benefit, it exalts God. When you trust God for your salvation, you say, Lord, I'm trusting you, and I'm only trusting Jesus Christ to save me and putting all my eggs in one cart. That exalts God. That lifts God up. When you reject God and say, I'm going to do this my way, I think I can work myself to heaven. I'm, not, I'm, I'm as good as anybody down there at Mountain View Baptist Church and full of hypocrites and all that stuff, and I'm going to do it my way. That's a slap in Almighty God's face. It doesn't exalt God when you don't think he, you need Him to save you. Our faith exalts God, and then our faith establishes us we're fully persuaded and that's what abraham said he said i'm fully persuaded and so faith has a solid foundation number two barriers of faith number three the benefits and number four we'll close with this real quick the beneficiaries of faith verse 23 and 25 who benefits from faith look at verse 23 now it was it was not written for his sake alone, talking about Abraham, but it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So who benefits? Who are the beneficiaries of faith? We are. Abraham benefited, but you can too. Verse 24. So the point is, the benefit is for all who believe in Him, who trust Him. The point is, those who benefit from faith, it's real simple, those who benefit from faith are those who exercise faith and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're never going to benefit from God and the Lord Jesus until you put your faith and trust in Him. Now, let me ask you this. Are are you willing to believe in God? Are you willing to do that? that, That's the foundation of faith. God's the foundation of your faith. Are you calling God a liar? Let no man call God a liar. So are you willing to believe that God sent His Son to die for your sins? Or have you concluded there's no one that can help you or change your life whatsoever? You concluded that? God sent His Son into this world. That's a historical fact. His name was Jesus Christ. We know that as a historical fact. And when He came, He lived. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised again the third day. Historical fact. So would you be willing to inherit the same eternal life that Abraham received? It's real easy. Faith is the key that unlocks the door. Salvation in the Old Testament is the same as salvation in the New Testament. It's based on the principle of faith. Abraham trusted God. In chapter 11, 40 verses, well, really about uh, 36 verses there, give example after example after example of those who trusted God. So Abraham was saved the same way we are. Abraham looked forward to the finished work of Christ. We looked forward to the, we looked backward to the cross. Abraham looked forward to the finished work of the cross. 
In Romans chapter 4, Paul contrasted, then he compared salvation by trying and then salvation by trusting, and he concluded it's all by faith. Abraham discovered it, David discovered it, Paul discovered it, and what they discovered was salvation is by faith and faith alone. And so this morning, what kind of faith do you have? Your faith is going to be called on. Are you going to have a say-so faith? Or are you going to have a rock-solid, biblical, sound, salvation faith that's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 4? So this morning, as we close, I plead with you in Jesus' name to place your faith in Christ alone because He will save you. He'll see you through whatever we go through. I was in Walmart night before last, buying bananas, minding my own business. This guy said to me, I said, boy, it looked like you've really worked hard today. And he said, I reckon people think that this is the end of the world. That's all he said. Never looked up. I'm going to tell you something. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the coronavirus is a piece of cake compared to the coming of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 16, John sees this vision of God's wrath being poured out on the earth. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse 21 and 22 says this. For then... There will be a great tribulation, here it comes, such has not been seen, or which has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And so the second coming of Jesus will occur after these incredible judgments are poured out on the earth for those that rebelled against God. At that time, about half the earth have already died. You say, well, what judgments are those, Brother Sammy? Listen to this. Revelation 6, just listen. There's going to be wars and famine, 3 through 5. Inflation out of control, verse 6. Multiple earthquakes, 12 through 17. Because of the wars and famines and earthquakes, at least half of the world's population dies. Revelation 6, 7, and 8, and 9, 13. Horrible and incurable plagues, Luke chapter 21, verse 11. Stars and meteors crash to the earth, Revelation 6, 12 through 14. Mountains come crumbling down, verse 14. Wild stinging locusts, chapter 9, Revelation 3 through 6. Every person who has the mark of the beast will be given painful sores, Revelation 16, 2. The ocean will be turned to blood. Everything in the sea will die, Revelation 16, 3. The rivers and all the water will be turned into blood, 16, 4. The sun will intensify in heat, scorching those on the earth, 16, verses 8 and 9. The world will be covered in darkness, causing people to gnaw on their tongue in agony while cursing God, Revelation 16, 10 through 11. Do you believe that will happen do you believe it'll happen now why do you believe it'll happen God said it'll happen that's the foundation of my faith it's God God's the foundation of my faith and this God that's the foundation of my faith that said that he also, in his inspired, infallible, inerrant words, said this. 
For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said this, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God said in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, here it is, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, but which also you're saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, that, 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 and that He arose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the Gospel. Now, do you believe that? Do you want to believe that? Now, if you haven't believed that, then it's your choice not to believe that. But when hard times come, when hard times come, just remember, this is a piece of cake. Now, when the other come, those who have trusted Jesus, we're going to be called out of here. We're going to be, I mean, we're going to be gone from here when those times come. But you talk, listen, bread and toilet paper is not going to be your main concern. <laughs> all right, excuse me. It's not. You're not going to be thinking about that at all, I promise you. <laughs> won't cross your mind. But the end will be here. If you've never trusted Christ today, put your faith in Him based on the steadfastness of God. Let Him be your foundation. You're, you're trusting Jesus and Him alone for your salvation. Why? Because the basis of your faith, the foundation of your faith is God. And he's going to be here. He's going to be, this is nothing to God. We've prayed. We're going to go on. We're going to, we're going to go, we're going to serve. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to try to help people. And God will take care of the rest. He will. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to, to open your word. Forgive me, perhaps, for not giving it justice and, and having the time I needed to have. But, Father, I pray now that you take your spirit and work in the hearts of individuals here today. For those who have never trusted in Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that today they would trust him and only him for their salvation. Father, trusting in him and only him for their salvation. And so, Father, I pray for every person here. I pray no one's trusting in church membership, any ordinances, none of that stuff. It's all about Jesus. It's all about believing in Jesus. All the others important has its place, but as far as salvation is concerned, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Believing in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. So I pray today people will turn from the direction they're going and turn to Jesus. Ask you to come into their life and save them. Ask you to forgive them of their sins. 
trust in you and only you. Believe in the gospel that Christ came and he died and he was buried. He's coming back again. That they'll trust that with all their heart and believe that Jesus is their only hope of salvation as they give their life to him today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand together, Terry's going to lead us. Just as you are, you come. I would not embarrass you for nothing. If you say...